Welcome to The Travelling Senorita, episode 186. Today I am coming to you from Bunjalang land in Northern Rivers. Having travelled so much in the last 12 months, I won't say this year because it's a new year, so Happy New Year to everybody out there. But this is my first podcast for this year because I decided to take a month off and just do um, the archive series in December, which I saw that you guys were tuning into and thank you so much for that. Back in Northern Rivers, which is uh, where I've been for a couple of decades now, in and around this area, and I still have my arrow firmly pointed to travel. But right now, I am with a local, uh, well, local in the sense that she is living here, but I knew her more as a national and global wellness chef. Um, and her name is Sam Gowing. Hello, Sam. Good morning. How are you, mate? I'm great. I've always Excellent. wanted to do a podcast with you. I know, it's been a long taken four long years. Coming. Can I just start with uh, a shout out to your BFF and a dear friend of mine, um, Nigel? Yes. Because he's the one that actually got me started on a podcast, and it was down at Splendour. Um, and having sort of a quasi-radio background, and I'm definitely better in audio than writing, but anywho, life's a funny thing. <laughs> he said, Carl's just launch a podcast. And so I was buying all the equipment and blah, blah, blah. We were literally having a drink by the fire at Splendor. And Nigel being the digital connoisseur that he is, goes, no, no, there's this app. And so from that moment, he goes, right, we're doing it now. And we launched it, and I did a my very awesome. first podcast. That's awesome, I didn't know that. Uh, which sounds a bit dodgy because there was a lot of music and everything, but we did it on this app and I didn't even realise that it launched. Once you did this app, it went straight to um, Apple and Spotify. So that was number one. And Nigel goes, you're off. And I was thinking at the time, who do I know around the area? And you were on that list way back then. Wow. So it's only taken me 186. (laughs) So welcome, Sammy. And we happen to be in the same spot at the same time, which is kind of unusual for us. It is. Now let's start with the fact that you are... Well, I will say iconic in Melbourne because of your background and you happen to know my brother because he's a muso in Melbourne. So can we start with, um, I guess it's like 30 or so years ago of what you were doing in Melbourne? Yeah, absolutely. So after I left school, I went into the family business, which was restaurants. So my late father was Dennis Gowing and he had numerous restaurants for our Melbourne listeners, Jackson's of Turak way back in the 70s, which was all kumquat trees and bent wood chairs and very shay-shay. It's now. I know, I know, it's full <laughs> circle, speaking of full circle. And then we had a two and a half hat restaurant, which was the highest award you could, you know, three hats back in the day, um, in East Melbourne, that was Gowing's East Melbourne. And then during that tenure in the mid eighties, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, which unfortunately took his life by the early nineties. And wow. by that stage, How old was he? he was all of 62. Wow. And in 1990, we had taken on lock, stock and barrel, the keys to the Grace Darling Hotel in Collingwood. Wow, a pre-dad passing away? Uh, a year prior. Wow, so, so he'll he'd, go get a dad. He'd been, yeah, he'd been in remission twice and decided because of we'd been through a pilot strike in Australia, the recession we had to have, all these things had knocked the pants off wow. fine dining. Yeah. So we kind of went down the market and upsized to this glorious Bluestone Hotel built in 1854, which happened to be the home of a Collingwood football team. Oh, stop it. We're not talking football already. We are. Bloody bombers. Go you can get off here right now. And so Miss the Collingwood <laughs> football team was formed in the cellar of the Grace Darling Hotel. You're kidding. Way back when. And then 
10 days after I had the keys to the pub that won the grand final in 1990. So I became a one-eyed Collingwood supporter oh, and still am. what a great story. Now that's on Smith Street, isn't it? On Smith Street, it? on the yeah. corner of Peel Street and Smith Street. It's the iconic Bluestone pub. We call it Gowing's Grace Darling, but to this day it's still the Grace Darling Hotel and still has wonderful operators after a few dodgy uh, Track, track records, I think, but the operators now, I think, have been there for at least six to eight years. So I remember um, back in my heyday, <laughs> in my early 20s. Which um, heyday? You've had a few. Oh, <laughs> mate. Well, I feel like I'm early 20s now, but the real heyday, which was when I came back from London, I was 25 and was living in Richmond, and we used to just, yeah, go around Smith Street and Brunswick Street. Yeah, and, it was and awesome. All the pubs. Yeah, and yours always had the best food. I can't remember seeing a lot of live music there. Would I be right? Was there Friday, live... Saturday night. Right, okay. We had a small stage in the corner of the public bar and we had acts like our besties, Vicar and Linda, oh, but wow. Stephen Cummings, <laughs> Colin Hay. It was a great party oh band who still tours called Relax with Max and I think they literally blew the blue stone apart with yes. their amps at one stage. But a lot of performers came through, so it was a small acoustic stage. Every so often we'd have a function upstairs and to this day the chandeliers still swing if there's too many Isn't people Isn't it interesting upstairs. though, because there were so many places like the Corner Hotel. Yeah, lived opposite, the Tote. Um, yeah, yeah, and the Central Club, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But yours I always went to for a really good pub meal. We had That's great food. That's I remember. About yeah, and my mantra, when we took it over, there used to be a great pub in Richmond that you might remember in the early 80s or mid 80s called all nations the all nations yes, yes. and they used to do a magnificent pie particularly on a monday and all the oh, yeah. hospo kids not that we were called hospo anyone that worked in hospitality in those days would go to the all nations and have our monday you yeah. know recovery and yeah. so forth yeah. so when we took over the grace darling in the early 90s i wanted to make sure the public bar still had pub menu or bar menu under ten dollars i love that so we did that and then you could have more upmarket food and we eventually rewarded a chef's hat for the whole Emporium of the Grace Darling in the wow. 90s. So that was a big deal with 3AW's Pub of the Year, I think 96, 97, which was also a big deal for Melbourne. And we were one of the first gastro pubs that survived, but also I was one of the first, I was the youngest female publican in a long, long time of the modern era, but also established what we called Sidewalk Cafe, which was outside dining, which is now a precedent um, around Victoria, but of course around the rest of the country, wow. because it's so hard to get those kind of DAs pushed yes. through council. Yeah. So tooth and nail, I fought hard to have this common space, which we called the common, that we could claim during business hours. And you set a precedent the corner because of, now that whole, yeah. and as you know, Smith Street went through so yeah, many different incarnations, right. and now it's kind of fancy. Yeah. Well, not fancy, but compared to yeah, it's gentrified. Yeah. <laughs> it's gentrified. I don't know about the graffiti though, the graffiti's just, Appalling hasn't come from yeah. Melbourne over Christmas um, and it's Real, only January okay. time we go to go to air. Yeah. So the graffiti in the inner city is pretty full on. It's more ghetto, I it's think. It's kind than, of tagging. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I agree with you. I noticed that. Yeah. More ghetto than hipster. Yeah. Yeah. No, they've definitely gone from Hosea Lane into some sort of other. Vibe. Yeah, that's right. That does need to be looked at because I had a, I thought the same thing visually when I was there, particularly around those areas, like when my family is mm. in good in that area. Um, so, Sammy, how long did you stay there for? So, my brother Chris came on board after we, um, after Dad died, and Chris and I owned and operated the Grace Darling until '98. Wow! And then, because my father died of cancer, I felt um, humiliated and very disconcerted that I knew nothing about food and healing. By this stage, I'd already spent 15 years in hospitality, which yeah. is still a lifetime. Yeah. So, toward the end of the '90s, rather, I began 
my pathway and curiosity around food and healing enrolled in what I thought would just be one subject of nutrition at Endeavour College of Natural Medicine, which used to be the Melbourne College of Natural Medicine. And there was a wonderful lecturer teaching a, a class called Food as Medicine, and that was it. That was my aha moment. So Which that would was have been 1999. Quite, um, hard to find back then. Yeah, it was. Stuff Absolutely. Yeah. And so I just hung on her every word, and then I realised, thank you. Just having a little cup of tea. Yeah, from a local. From a local. Fallen Leaf, nice. Fallen Leaf, thank you. <laughs> and that kick started my whole line of inquiry. And so one subject turned into a multitude of um, nutrition studies, and I rolled out about three years later with a piece of paper. and that qualified me to begin teaching cooking based on what I'd learned as a restaurateur and what I'd studied in nutrition and And I've been doing that ever since. It really turned, I guess that, and you've worked with a lot of chefs, but it really turned that um, traditional chef. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, which is, you know, I mean like water for chocolate, I'm more about like love and food and health and when you go and dig into places like Mexico, you really find that. Or Sri Lanka, which you've been a lot to, yeah. you find that. But I guess what you were doing then in a, in a modern country like Australia is really turning that on its head and going, oh, I'm going to be a cook slash chef, spa chef wellness. I'm going to wrap it all together. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then you just to find that course that could yeah, support that. Yeah, absolutely. And so I did toy with changing um, studies and academic pathways because of the level of qualifications. But I also knew what I wanted to do, which yeah. was really share my knowledge of food and food is medicine and I just realised that you know I could study dietetics and I could do yeah. all of this yeah. and really intense study but I didn't want to work in a hospital I still wanted to be in hospitality well, you, that's you right are, you in your heart which is why I guess when you work in these you know health retreats service is king bring, customer service is king and in. guest experience is our ultimate dest- ultimate destination so yeah. you know you cannot have five star spa without great guest relations and that's where I see there's often um, a disparity is the service isn't good enough to match a lot of the services out there the customer service so that's why I've always been driven like that. indicative to Australia because we've just come back from Canada and you you I mean they've got another thing going on now and you've been to the states enough times but it's literally 20%. 20%. Like, it's just rude not to. And, they, and um, our sons are working over there. One's a server. Well, they're both servers. So they're, you know, they're um, earning good money because of that. Mm. Um, and it is a funny one because the manager gets less than the server and the bar only gets 5%, mm. but the server gets 20%, blah, blah, blah. But what it is, it's like a PR role, I said, to Lewis particularly because he's working in the Lake Louise in the Chateau. Wow. In the Lakeview, which is kind of one of the most iconic places in the world. And it's... It's not fine dining, but it's literally you have to interact. You love it actually because you have to interact with the customer and you've got to spend time with them. Um, not annoy them, but he is just talking all day every day with great people um, and he gets that 20%. So that's a way different way yeah, than Australia right. has been trained. Obviously, the onus is on the customer to pay mm. that. Um, but when I come back to Australia, I really notice that we, you know, we're not, what I notice uh, is really good hospitality. <laughs> yeah. It's not like it's across the board. I just yeah. really notice when it's yeah. good. Well, I particularly noticed service with a snail, which I had recently in Byron Bay, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, what <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to turn that around, Sammy, because there was Good. so much of like non-service going yeah. on that I'm now looking for. I, I, I'm a reward for effort for yes. service. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And you know, when I started my career in fine dining at our old restaurant, at Gowing's Restaurant, which was high end, as I say, you know, 
two and a half hectares, the highest accolade. Yeah, yeah. But I had a base wage of $400, and this is in the early 80s, so I was about maybe 20, 21, 22. Mm. And then I would earn more in tips. In tips. So it was a dipping culture? Absolutely. And so sometimes it could be, you know, I might earn that as a commie waiter on the floor, changing ashtrays back in the day and pouring water and being trained by our formal um, European and Australian chef, uh, floor staff how to be a good waiter. And I was very proud of it. I still am And you're, proud, but you're probably proud like of me, that. you still tip. I tip. Yeah. Like if I get good service and the ambience yeah. and all the touch points, absolutely a tip. Yeah, know? absolutely. But we're made to over there, which is an interesting... Yeah. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, line either because their food costs yeah. them right up so they're super expensive Canada and America right now so absolutely well the, the cost of the, you know here things. we are at 2024 and the cost of goods yeah particularly for primary produce yeah is at least 20 to 25 percent and so us as the diners need to appreciate yeah. that yeah and perhaps honor establishments that really look after the produce and the culture and the staff yeah as opposed to just going to some of our other favourite destinations, which might be pay $45 for a plate and get a buzzer and no tablecloth and yeah. certainly no service yeah. for in trade for the view yeah. and the location and so yeah, forth. I'd, I'd trade the view. So, well, that that's it. <laughs> and it's a matter of honing out and finding some of those small community-oriented establishments as well. And, it, you know, there's, there is a disparity about service and the price of main course plates Well, I think that comes this down to localisation too, oh. because what you just said then was you're happy to support a local venue. I'll do it two, three times yeah. a week if the if the touch points are there. That's right. right. You know, and I'm like, I'll support yeah. them, not just like, because we can be a bit fickle with food. Yeah, uh, absolutely. in Australia. Uh, it's just like there's so much food and it's so And we're a little bit spoiled because we, we have... Are. We're spoiled for choice. We have such great food. But if you find a, a banging place that... Yeah. I'll go back and back and back because that's what you need. I mean, yeah. we're in this tourism destination, but we all know it gets really sleepy a lot. Yeah, here. absolutely. Um, so you just touched on that. Then you mentioned uh, Europe, and I know that you've studied also at Le Cordon Bleu. Yes, I got that right. that's right. So, so when did that come into play? So, in fact, I think it was our friend Nigel found a flyer. Oh, Nigel, he he yeah. <laughs> He's at New Beach Media, you'll find that. Um, <laughs> he found a flyer for this new course that was occurring uh, in affiliation with Le Cordon Bleu and Southern Cross Uni. So he was doing his, I guess, traineeship at, at New Beach 100 years ago. I think that's right. It might have been for another company in Byron Bay in about 2012, I think it was. Mm. And I just published my um, first book and we were working down the road at okay. Cabaretta oh, Ocean okay. Health Retreat yep. and I found this course in gastronomic tourism yep. um, from Le Cordon Bleu, 100% online and I wrote to them <coughs> and I said hey I've just seen this flyer and so forth can I join and they said oh look you know we just put it out there how did you find that and so forth and I think I was the first opt-in and they said yes of course based on your experience you can do that as an undergrad, you, you know, your undergraduate's strong enough to, in order you to apply for the masters. So I did a masters in gastronomic tourism at Le Cordon Bleu, 100% online global course. And years later, I think maybe five years ago, I started teaching their online learning program oh, in, and writing courses, gastronomic tourism, oh, sorry, gastronomy and, and nutrition. And the other course we wrote during the pandemic, which is plant-based diets. 
the so, nutrition. So throwing all that up in the mm. air for your average layman yeah. is sure. just a foodie but yeah. doesn't understand the I guess the agri tourism yeah. side. Just describe to me what that what you learned from that. So what I did in my gastronomic tourism was able to look at which is very relevant of course to your podcast is why do people go to a destination? In the old days, they'd go to look at the volcano. Now they want to look at the volcano sitting at a beautiful table with 100% food service and a great wine list. Right. So the whole process of gastronomic tourism, which has always been around, but became more heightened because people were looking at, yes, I'll go and climb that particular mountain as long as I can go to that restaurant at the bottom. Yes. So let's say somewhere like regional Mavis's or Pottager, for example, yes. in the days when um, Wollumbum was open for tourists. Yep. You might climb the mountain when you're allowed to, or at least walk around the hinterland and go to that restaurant as a yep. little bit of treat and reward. Yep. And that, of course, is predominantly famous throughout most cultures and all of the world. You can go here and eat well. And then in the work that I do in the wellness industry, we started to look at what is wellness tourism. Yes, I want to go to Bali and have my spa treatments, but I still want to go to Changu and surf, and I still want to do this and so forth. So, and the food is such an integral part. And the part food of all is an integral part, yeah. integral part. And whether you want to create your own wellness destination, or you want to go to a spa retreat or a wellness retreat worldwide or locally here, such as Guingana, where I work for, or perhaps you would go to Gaia, further down in the Northern Rivers. Mm and have that done for you retreat, mm. or you can pick and choose. So wellness tourism now is this massive industry and the wellness arena, is, as you well know, is worth trillions and trillions. Yeah, yeah. And that's such a lucrative component, which in 1999, when I kickstarted this uh, food health wealth business, we were still talking about wellbeing. And now we talk about wellness. Yep. And I go, what's wellness? It's yep. still a silly name. Yeah, sure. But no, it's not actually. It tells me everything I need yeah, to know. Yeah, <laughs> we've got business. We have wellness. I like the word so, holistic as well. Yeah. Because then that gives me it's the It's all encompassing, of, isn't it? Correct. And, and the former CEO of Tourism Australia, John, I can't think of his surname, I went to a conference of his quite a few years ago and he said the stats, you travel through your stomach. Yeah, So the absolutely. stats were out for, for Tourism Australia back then, and it's when they were doing, prior to their Indigenous tourism campaign, they were doing a restaurant campaign. And they the studies on that were saying if most people choose their location based on their stomach. Isn't that interesting? Eat. Yeah. So and That's it. And I, if you think about you and I, we're well-travelled. Yeah. I mean, and we've been to, uh, we'll talk about your Europe trip just recently too. I'm always in Europe because that's where my lucky girl well, yeah i just feel like i was born there yeah i don't know i just feel like I've it got suits you. in the in the hospital which <laughs> mum said could have happened because she's blonde and blue-eyed and i look like a little bit like a wog which you're allowed to say on my podcast by the way hello i grew up in melbourne um anyway but so I, I digress but the thing is you think about the destinations we choose to yeah. travel to what's the first thing you do when you get there yeah eat Eat. Absolutely. And you don't eat shit. Yeah. Particularly you. Yeah, you're not absolutely. going to get on a plane and after being on a plane, well, you're not going to eat crap. If I go to Bali, usually, and if I'm not working, because I work with Club Med in, in Bali, which is in Nusa Dua, so there's a compound as such, which you would know of um, glorious hotels. But I if I go to yeah, a Warung in Bali, yeah. then I'd go straight in to have, you know, Nasi Champur or Sambal yes, or something yes. really oh, traditional. You because, make the best Sambal, I remember that. Because that grounds me and it just, I can feel my digestion just shifting. Yeah. 
because I feel at peace or if I go to see Janet yeah. Deneef up in a wood, oh. which I haven't been to visit her wow. in Sydney for a long time. Wow, let's talk about her for a moment. Yeah, of my cosmic sister that she is. Put a little um, earmark on that. Yes. Because we met, um, you and I, I'm sure you would have been at the um, at the Grace Darling when I was on the other side of the bar and you would have been looking at me going, who's this? Cheeky, young, grungy, skinny little thing kick her out. Um, <laughs> Probably said, who's this hot rod ordering a pot of VB? I had a bit of tood back then. <laughs> yeah, it would have been VB for sure. Anyway, but when we actually did um, meet and get to know each other a lot better was at the Cabarita Ocean Health Retreat. And it was through, um, uh, I guess it's Cynthia. Shout out to Cynthia yes. because it's her, her 60th this weekend in Sydney and we're going down to celebrate that. And Brooke Ramage is one of her oldest friends from Melbourne. They studied together at Swinburne, blah, blah, blah. And Brooke Ramage and yourself had a connection. Now, Brooke Ramage... I owe my career, you know, a lot of it to Brooke. Well, he's going to listen to this podcast, yeah. I reckon. Well, so thanks, mate. So let's talk about... Thanks, um, Brookie. Well, I hope so. I'll make him. I'll send yeah. it to him. Um, but how did you guys um, sure. connect? Well, it's, it's a great, you know, it is a perfect segue because when I sold the Grace Darling, my brother Chris and I sold it, and I didn't really want to go and work for somebody else in Melbourne in a restaurant. Um, I, it wasn't so much pride. I honestly think I wasn't going to be good enough, which looking back is a ridiculous thing to, sta- to yeah, say. Yeah. We all have but imposter I, syndrome. So exactly. <laughs> I, I'd heard about this mythical place called the Golden Door right. in the mid-90s and there were a few of the Melbourne chefs and cooks who have burned out and end up at this mythical Gold golden, golden Door. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to go there. I've got to save up and, you know, thousands of dollars, of course. So I ended up going after we'd sold the pub and I had a week at the Golden Door and it was life-changing. So life-changing that I then enrolled in the five-week work experience program and Brooke accepted me and Brooke was the head of the Golden Door, this gorgeous man surrounded by all these gorgeous women working in the health industry and health retreats, all dressed in white, suntan, glowing skin and Brooke is hilarious and a fellow Aries and Classic he guy. just ran and just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, like and he could great just, humor and yeah, and his delivery. He <laughs> just his delivery. You know, he's hilarious. Yeah, and he's so invested, and yeah. he's just a wonderful people person. Yeah. And then he put an ad up, I think, on Seek or whatever, years later, for someone to help him establish Cabarita Ocean Health Retreat. Wow. And I put my hand up that and I wrote to him. Later. Yeah, it was 2010, 2011. Yeah. And Nigel and I had moved to Byron Bay in 2008. And I wrote to him, I said, hey, do you remember me? I did work experience. He goes, certainly, of course, you know, come and help me. So we reconnected and we set up Cabaret Ocean um, Health Retreat for the Peterson family. And Sister Sandra came on board and the new youd had arrived as well. And it was just awesome. It's a shame that it didn't continue. To put it in context, it, it was set up in a small mm. mansion at the end of Casarena Way, which is pretty much where we're sitting very now. Bespoke. <laughs> very bespoke. I only slept 24 people, so 12 yeah. um, very individually designed rooms right on the beach. Yeah. And it was fantastic yeah. in and the beginning of it. And this is all the bursting. Mm. I mean, Eden and, and This is pretty healthy and house and but, pre you know, all of this, this other area, ecotourism as well. Yeah. 
But it was kind of hidden as well, so no one really knew what was yeah. going on. But we did. We did. did we? Yeah. Did we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it was fantastic. And then you had wonderful chefs like Louise Miller working with you, and I guess and Jasmine Norton who came Jasmine on to be Norton. my sous chef. And do you know what? For me, I guess landing there, I've, I've been in and around the media, probably working with distilleries or something, and I'd landed in the health retreat. Oh, I was opened a Spanish restaurant. Yeah, right, as you do. Which was fantastic. Thank you. In Palmy. What was it called? Uh, Pablo Pablo. Oh, yeah, of course. That's the ball from there. That's why you picked up on the ball. Um, but thank you, because that's a big accolade from you. But, you know, for me, it was, this is actually quite a bizarre part of our podcast, because I was in that restaurant site, mm. which I openly said to you, mm. I'm not a restaurateur, mm, I'm mm, like mm, a storyteller. Mm. And so I would go to work during the day at um, Cabaret Ocean Health Retreat and do the PR slash marketing and then go there at night. So, I, I mean, you know, sport for choice. I'd had too much paella, too many tapas, too many patata bravas, too much churros. So I was literally like banging over your food because I was like, <laughs> yeah, these girls it. make incredible, girls, it was girls, incredible food that really sustains me and tastes Insane. We poured so much and love into the food. And then I go to my restaurant food. and go, oh, God, I don't want another potato sprouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was my, yeah. I guess, first yeah. um, Introduction. foray into good food. Wellness cuisine. Well, I think, you know, the thing about wellness cuisine, you have to put your heart and healing into the food. Yeah. And that's why you'll go to some of these sort of healthy cafes, healthy outlets mm, or whatever, mm. and whether they're corporatized or syndicated or mm. they're individually run, if they haven't got their heart mm. and their their heads into the food mm. it doesn't taste the same but the price is always ridiculous yeah. as well and yeah you and i and it's not because of our age and we're a similar age i actually think it's because of our um commitment and, and compassion to the art of food as well and thinking like that movie like water for chocolate which i mentioned before yeah. like slowing down i mean the slow food movement that's another that you around for that but it's actually slowing down and putting love into mm. food and it doesn't have to look incredible mm. but mm. that's isn't that mm. well the that's the magic that, that that's the magic and that's why when you travel as so many of your listeners do and and you certainly do and you meet you know even when you meet wonderful European chefs in Australia, mm. or any mm. foreign chefs in Australia, mm. and they cook for you privately, like mm. in their home, or invite you to dinner, or or they have time to cook for you a special dish in their restaurant, which yeah. often happens if you're yes. lucky. Yes, that food will be so memorable to you because it ignites so many um, sparks of nostalgia, or perhaps transports you back to a country where they might be from that you've had such fond or emotional yeah, connection yeah. to fond memories and emotional connection so there's there's a sixth or seventh ingredient or an essence mm. that goes into that food yeah. which doesn't have to be described in language or in flavor profile it's it's almost like umami you know it's that essence of something else magical that makes you connect to it Another good segue here because you have an incredible, um, I can't believe you didn't bring me some. I was going to text you. Um, I nearly put it in the box and I went, oh, God, I'm running no, out the I'm door. It's going to rain. No, don't be silly. No, don't be silly. 100%. Now, Black Betty, like, because you, you have a love of Japanese. I do. Food. I do. I used to work in a Japanese restaurant when I first um, left school and wore a kimono twice a day oh, for wow. food service That's and cooked at the school. table. And incredible. I learned to speak Japanese from the age of nine and wow. I still practice into Melbourne Uni and I still use the app to practice Japanese. Excellent. That's why I have a strong connection well, to Japanese food. Well, let's talk about, um, because food. you have like a few chefs, you've got a few hats. <laughs> um, and one of them that I love, because I remember when I first tasted it again, you can tell there's a lot of um, mm. uh, 
passion in this product. Um, and I might not be describing it right, but it's called Black Betty. You know I me. Mean? So Black Betty Bam yeah, Black Betty is Bam. a plant-based spread or a plant-based paste for life, I call it. It has a Chinese medicine and Japanese component to it. Its foundation is black tahini. Yep which is very good for your kidney energy, nurturing the kidney energy. And then I add a little bit of um, smoked salt from Olsen's, which is a red gum 72 hour smoked mm. salt. Olsen's is a wonderful Australian company um, down in South Australia and they service the industry and you should be looking out for Olsen's salt yep, yep. regardless, I've lots of range. Yep, yep. So it's a blue and white striped jar if you've yep. ever seen them, yep. beautiful product. Little pinch of Olsen smoked salt in every jar and a bit of apple cider vinegar and Japanese tamari, which is a gluten-free um, soy. I didn't know it had the apple cider vinegar. So that helps to bind the product. So yeah. in the courses that I teach and other mentoring programs that teach about product development and why you need things like vinegar to bind the product to yeah. extend the shelf life and so forth. Yeah. So Black Betty Bam goes all day. You'll start with it on toast and crackers, but you'll end up stirring it into your carbonaras and having it into your roast dark and all sorts of things. Because I've packed up the house and I'm full yeah. tipsy wandering now. I was just like, that that would be something I would Perfect. travel I'll with. drop it off tomorrow, oh, darling. Oh, Sammy, that is definitely Absolutely. something on my list. Now, you've, that's been around for quite a few years. Absolutely. It's six years, which is extraordinary. And I, look, nor my husband and I literally just promote it through our own channels and so forth. And just when I think, oh, I'm not going to make any more, someone will order another, you know, a couple of dozen. Oh, no, you, and have like, to oh. Keep, you have to keep making it. I actually think it's it's a bit of a love project, I mean, but, you know. Hello, Vegemite, goodbye. Yeah. But, um, so we just spoke then. Congratulations on your marriage. Which Thank was you. Year. Yes. And you married God, the wonderful, um, his gorgeous person and also... Normie um, Rowe. Connie. Normie Rowe. Yeah, my uh, sweetheart. You had a couple of weddings, but let's just touch on the one because you mentioned that you hadn't really done a lot in Europe before. No, I hadn't. I hadn't. I've been saving Europe. And I've always said, particularly when I was in the re- well, <laughs> I should say that, shouldn't I? But yeah. when I was in the restaurant business, um, I always said if I ever went to the Bordeaux, I would never leave. Yes, I just correct. I knew a lot about wine back then. I don't know as much now, but I knew a lot about um, particularly Australian varietals, but our influence from new wine, but also obviously established vineyards and so and yeah, traditional yeah, wine making. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, or viticulture. So. Yeah. I did study that, and so I always said if I ever got to France, that'd be it. I'd yeah. never leave. Yeah. So finally, we eloped on Valentine's Day of last year. Mm. We found some Singapore Airlines tickets to Paris out of Brisbane for thirteen hundred and fifty dollars return. Oh, Singapore's so the best Norm airline. jumped on those, Fantastic. and then we sort of, you know, chose our seats and paid for that small. It wasn't an upgrade and yeah. such, but yeah. did all that so we guaranteed at least our long hauls were yeah, in great. comfort. And Singapore's a great airline. It's fantastic. Yeah. And we arrived in Paris on Valentine's morning after, you know, time um, zones and so forth. So we had two Valentine's Day and Singapore Airlines brought out champagne oh, wow. for us and a little piece of cake as we oh. arrived into Paris. Oh, and this was just going to be, how long were you away for? Five weeks of no planning. Yeah, and no plan. We had no plans. Had you planned where you were going to get married? Uh, well, at that stage, we had a few ideas. But of course, once we got into particular countries, we realised how difficult it was. Mm. So we ended up, we went to through France and then into um, Spain, of course, and then arrived down in Rome, which was amazing. And it was getting warmer because mm. this was February, March. And by the time we got to Italy, a friend of Norm's who was a sea captain on a lot of the P&O Fairstar ships, yeah. also lived in Sydney. He had said, come to the island of Procida where I live. Oh. Come, come, come. Oh. So-and-so else eloped here. 
we'll organise the church oh, and so forth. Oh, that's what you were waiting so for. So then we, <laughs> um, Luigi very kindly oh. gave us his spare apartment on the island of Procida. So oh. we were able to bunk down and unpack for, you know, about a week, which when Maybe. you're travelling in the winter with yeah. suitcases on yeah. trains. Cobblestone, hello. Cobblestones and, you know gammy legs and it's so really forth. Cool. It's really cool. Don't and it? then the sun came out and we wow. I was gifted a beautiful wedding dress by Joanna Johnson. Thank you very much, JJ. So oh. I was able to wear that. Norm had a suit and his medals and somebody did my hair and opened up the salon on this island, the Progeter. Oh, Another girl did my makeup. Amazing. And then Luigi and his best friend Nicola drove us around in this beaten up little Italian car. Taking us to iconic photographic destinations and so that was uh informal wedding day we had some string from a restaurant and tied the fingers oh. together and that was it and it wasn't we didn't have a that formal was it. ceremony that the most incredible but it was beautiful ever. it was beautiful oh. and then of course we had to do a proper ceremony in australia so we were married on the beach here in Coolangatta, rainbow bay beautiful and we just had a very private ceremony. Um, it's really lovely ceremony. to see your union and yeah. your connection. It's a really beautiful thing. And then we had a massive also. party in Melbourne at our friend's nightclub at 161. Of course So you thanks, did. thank you, boy, and Anna, and uh, everyone else who hosted us. <laughs> and the bands that played, I must say, and Mike Brady sang to us. Oh, and wow. It was a hoot. Mike Brady. So, yeah, oh. so we had a big knees out, and all the other um, wonderful bands that well, performed that Well, of course, because normally night. we would have a few musicians in his yeah, back pocket, and so, as so I you. do, yeah. yeah so it was a real, our Melbourne party was a... Uh, nightclub, restaurant industry, music industry, oh, hospitality, but Melbourne, I don't like to use the word society, but Melbourne friends yeah. in fashion and from all walks of life. Our friend Sally Brown very kindly shouted the oh, champagne Sally. for the night and it was just a hoot. Testament you know? to you, Sammy, for keeping oh, connections oh, and to Normie, but connections all over the globe. You know, we both are from Melbourne, so yeah. as you are, so you yeah, always... You never forget your friends. I mean, friends from home and school were there and, oh, you know, scaly mates from all sorts of back lanes and Melbourne <laughs> were there and, you know. I love a scaly mate. Yeah, now, came home with sequins, sequins of Ryan holes in my stockings. What it. more could you Do want? Tweet. Look yeah. out. <laughs> you would have been the most talked about person in the tweet. Namaste. Now, Sammy, name, name. you have been working on a cookbook with a wonderful yep. cookbook. We also worked on a yep. cookbook together yes. at the Ocean yes. Retreat. Yes, yes, yes. And to see Nelly pop up yes. again, um, yeah. tell me a little yeah, bit course. about what was going on at Wingard. So I've been, um, throughout, throughout last year I was working, uh, and still do, but as a consulting wellness chef and nutritionist to Gwingana, of which I've worked with Gwingana Lifestyle Retreat in so many capacities since 2009. Yep. And Deb Munster's the new G, newish GM. She's been there in a wonderful position now for a while. And she reached out and said, Sammy, do you reckon you could come seasonally and just talk to the chefs and bring some new recipe inspiration and nutritionally um, amplify our menus? I said, sure. During one of our meetings in May, the idea of a new Gwingana cookbook came up and they said, if only we could get a new book out this year. And I went, oh, we can do that. I'd sell I do book. books. Back to me, I know books. You've I think I've 10. worked on 10 books <laughs> right, okay. in various capacities. Yes. So some as recipe yep. developer, some as editor. Um, I help people self-publish and navigate the pathway to self-publishing, which is a great thing to do for people that don't. Hello, that's in the back of my head. Yeah, that already have a committed audience and don't necessarily want to go down the publishing house track. And I was appointed as editor and project manager and I said to my friend Nelly Lecomte, who's a fabulous oh. photo photographer, videographer and art director, 
if Nellie's available, we'll do it. And we got it done and we delivered it ahead of time, printed two weeks in advance of our deadline and it launched softly at a retreat in Aquangana in December. And hopefully we take it on but the it's road. On the market, right? It's on the market. You go to guingana.com, you'll have to double check that URL and you'll find it in their store I mean, section. that's a book that you don't have to go to Guingana to get. No, no, it's no. It's called Guingana Gourmet, Gourmet yeah. and I think it's around the $50 mark Amazing. and they'll ship it to you. So yeah. that was a wonderful project. Yeah. The chefs, um, Justin and Steve, created the recipes. We shot them on location. Oh. I then wrote the recipes up as such um, and tweaked them if they needed to be a little bit tweaked. So the boys scaled them according to six serves and then nearly did all the photos oh, and the I art direction. Right. So it's a nice coffee table. Hard, hard yeah, copy. it's actually a soft paperback yep. copy and it's the third of a series of Guingana books. Well, it's actually their fourth or fifth book, but it's a certain size that fits in with the other cookbooks that have been printed, ah, uh, produced for the retreat in, and sell in store. Could be my yeah. this week. There um, you go. Uh, now, what are you up to now? We're in 24. So, I know so that you're always working on something. Yeah, well, that, it's great. Like, I, I love to have a project. I feel a bit lonely if I don't have a project. <laughs> so I need to get my teeth into something. And we might share. I have been um, working on the idea of my own courses for a long time. So using different teaching platforms, I started to build it into my own website, but my website couldn't handle the gravity of bringing in another um, plugin really. Mm. So I moved to a platform called Teachable, right. which is great. There's lots of teaching platforms as the Mighty Networks and so forth, but I settled back on Teachable and kind of unpicked all the stitches in my own website. And now I've launched a website just yesterday called, uh, sorry, a wellness platform, teaching program called thewellnesschef.au. Wow, okay. And that essentially incorporates... I just assumed that was coming off, um, I went on to your link, but I assumed that was coming off uh, Samantha Gallagher. Yeah, well, I, I, I've put it onto the Teachable platform because they've got all the bells yeah, and whistles yeah. and it means that I'm not paying so much bandwidth. Yeah. And if anything collapses in my website, then I'm not losing... And that. so this is a subscriber. That's it. Sorry, it's a pay. Course. You pay for the course. You buy the course. The course modules will be um, open for delivery on the twenty second. Yeah. So Monday week at wow. this time. So I've got a little bit more homework to do. Really hard in January. I have been. Man, yeah. You're and I'm going to have a hard look at myself. Well, well, <laughs> why, why I did it, Cars, is that I really wanted to pull my mentoring and wellness work yeah. into the wellness business solutions that I teach and sell into an online course. So anyone can teach you to cook and they do it really well on the internet. But I wanted to talk about food and healing, but also how to market yourself, how to self-publish. Yeah, you have you have that toll, uh, that, I mean, I didn't know that at the time when I first met you because you were food, I was just thinking food, 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 but you also have that marketing brain, which is really- Well, I, I had to in 2002, yeah. I launched my first website yeah. because I had to, because I had to learn HTML and so forth. It was too expensive to hire a web designer. Yeah, yeah. So I found a web developer who helped me realise that. So I've had to kind of build my own websites along yeah. the way. And then you and get you, in And the... you do, you have a really good following because I read your newsletter and I love the way that you bring up, like, um, I mean, you're not polarising per se, but there's something wrong with calling out shit, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and every now and then you bring up quite I just timely... look for authenticity. Yeah. Let's look for the truth. Let's stop with the Particularly whole about like, food fads. Vibe. It's like, yeah. you know, whatever, man. We're just like molecules floating through this beautiful land that we're Yeah, stand. absolutely. So, 
we don't need to take ourselves too seriously but what I do think is important is that we speak our truth so you do bring up subjects that I would have been reading that week going oh I'm glad Sammy's gone there with that because not I'm not current well you're not current affairs either but I don't usually dig into that but I'll bring up things like the referendum I'll bring it all up sure but you write it in a really beautiful way and I was going to throw a subject to you that was um, is there's an inquiry God I hate that word but the government's looking into Coles and Woolworths and the big majors right now and they're price gouging right so that's yeah that's absolutely on the board from ABC yesterday so that to me that's something that you would actually yeah. write about and yeah. go is that is that right yeah absolutely I mean anything that's topical you know just to backtrack a little bit when I began working in the wellness industry it was a very humble little you know yes. cottage industry yeah. and so if you called out the big guns yeah. you were really you know poo-pooed as, yeah, as such exactly so now you I couldn't get my product like Betty Bam into Coles or Woolworths without I would probably make a dollar a jar yeah you know the real estate is so volatile to get shelf space what those supermarkets do and please correct me everyone because I'm probably wrong but essentially they sell shelf real estate That's right. no, they and do. so if I had three or four SKUs three or four different flavors yeah, yeah. of my product I have a better chance at real That's estate right. I don't have the mental capacity at the moment no. to actually do that and my product's sort of a, an auxiliary mm. to it's just one of my services so what happens you have to maintain that skew and work within their terms and I totally take my hat off to wonderful brilliant people like Carmen whose name just escaped yeah. me of Carmen's Muesli yeah, yeah, who's yeah. been doing her work for as yeah. long as I've been doing my more recent yeah. career yeah. yeah and they have been able to keep their artisan but go global yeah. but then I've got my other friends such as Brook Farm out of Byron yes. Bay who choose to service um, the IGAs at yeah. more artisan yeah. stores and, and Pam Brook as the co-founder oh, has an absolute standpoint yeah. on that which I totally respect as well so and she's she's sustainable oh yeah absolutely and, and yet they're know. global you know they have a global offer and Sunwell has taken on their um, the mantle and done a, doing a magnificent job so I guess really the moral of the story is choose your supermarket ingredients wisely and choose your supermarket yeah, even more correct. wisely. But also going back to your course as well, I love that uh, that's a very indigenous way of being that, um, you know, Banam, one of the groups around this region, passing knowledge down. So an elder passing knowledge yeah, down. Yeah, absolutely. What you're doing now is getting all that knowledge. I mean, yeah. we've just spoken about 30 some plus years. Chronologically of your experience, which is an incredible um, portfolio of work. And I know you've worked your butt off. I've seen you do that. Um, And I know you've had, um, you know, pitfalls, big pitfalls Mm, along mm. the way. Um, You know, even to reconnect with you in the last year or so through Mm, the tweet. I'm like, oh, there's Sammy. Like, you've Mm. got this incredible reputation through hard work, skill set, knowledge, wanting to know more. And now you've put that into a course. um, And that's a real... I hope you don't. It's an elder thing to do. Oh, and I, I feel totally like that's respect that. where you're at in your life yeah. is work smarter, not harder, but you're also passing that knowledge down. Well, each one should teach one. And when I became automatically or by default a cooking teacher, I wasn't qualified. I just made it up as I went along. Yeah, yeah. You know, told a few jokes along I think, the way. I, think I quite like that about you. <laughs> and I, I love that. And I just wanted to share what I'd learned in my undergraduate of nutrition yes. because it was so. It was such a thunderbolt of lightning for me and such a wake-up call. And I just love to share my experiences and my knowledge. And so being able to pull that 
my unique experience into a course means that it's unique nobody else can teach what i can teach and nobody knows but i wanted to pass that down and i, think, I wanted I to make an affordable really, the, pathway the really for that part of your story is that hospo early mm, days mm. Um, when i grew know. up under the restaurant table in the 1970s eating you know chocolate souffles that hadn't quite risen yeah there's a title for and my next book <laughs> Oh my god, or, or blog, or... The rise and fall of the, yeah, gowing souffle. Souffle, no, the souffle that didn't rise. That's it. it. But, you know, it, it springs to mind Simon Gloftus from the Gloftus family, who also grew up around the markets in Melbourne. Yeah, and right, right. His dad started the markets yeah. down there, the markets up here, yes. and now he has, like, some of the most successful... Yeah, I admire and respect him. Way back on the podcast, Fantastic. he often just talks about that time what in... What a triumph he ...in is. the uh, yeah. market store. Yeah. That's where he got it Yeah. From, you know? So... I think that's what um, I, I love hearing this story because it feels like you've gone full circle in, you know, your hospitality upbringing, your education, your wellness, your travel, and now you're presenting that to the world on a course. It makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But Bam Bam has to stay. Yeah, Bam Bam. Black Betty Bam. You can call it Bam Bam. <laughs> oh, Bam Bam's actually a Black, spiced rum. Black, it is, and that's <laughs> Harriet from Husk and I have been talking for Ooh, years collaboration. about, you know, how can we get the Husk rum. And Black Betty Bam yeah. together, and then we had Bam Den- Bamdemics, Pandemics, <laughs> and we caught up recently, and we're like, we still got to do that. I love so that. you know, oh. we'll find a way to connect once um, the, the summer's over and uh, tourism's quietened down, and we can work on some innovation I again usually, um, or some initiatives. Story, Sammy, thank you to, for sharing with me today. I usually finish with who and where inspires you in the world because this is a travel podcast, people to place, mm. and I always do it. Um, uh, spontaneously at the end just to keep people on their toes mm. but is there someone that really inspires you or a place that inspires you in the world wow that's such a good question that's isn't a hard it one. it's a really hard one we had lunch with some friends from sydney yesterday who were here from the magic millions and our friend kath was talking about gay waterhouse and i know oh, this is a whole this different is subject great. but if there's two people i've always wanted to sit on a plane one would be gay waterhouse and the other's keith richards okay you've been hopefully at, at, you know i just Having grown up at Flemington yes. Racetrack, and, and cool. it's a whole different podcast, different story. Yeah. My father was into horse racing in the 1970s and yeah. used to take me to the races, all sorts, all around Victoria. And I knew of Gay's father, I knew TJ Smith, and I knew mm. a lot of the trainers and so mm. forth as a kid, you know, in the stables as such, because I did. loved we horses. All, we yeah. Did, in fact, and then. so she is one of the people that I admire and respect so much but certainly you know wonderful female chefs around around the world of course i mean alice waters in san francisco has done so much for the industry that i'm associated with if you don't know her certainly google her as i said um alice waters yeah so around the berkeley area of california she really started the kitchen garden revolution so of course I look to her yeah. and respect and yeah. admire, you know, the pioneers. I mean, who doesn't love Nigella, for example? Oh, and of course, there are so Nigella. many brilliant Australian, you know, doyens of food as well. And, and I have so much love and respect for. And the other one that's on the podcast is um, Bethany Finn. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but of yeah, course. congratulations for, like, it sounds like I'm giving you, like, this is your life, but it's not. Um, <laughs> oh, is this the one, mate? <laughs> But you've got a lot more to come. But congratulations on thank the, you. Thank uh, you for having in the, me. In the not so, um, you know, in the present, you just launched that cookbook and you've got your course online. Yeah. So, and we will see you as a chef popping up everywhere. Yeah, and, absolutely. And people can always engage with you on that yes, as well. Yes, so, absolutely. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Adios, Sammy.